Come on in to Margaret McSweeney's Kitchen for Kitchen Chat, where every week you'll meet chefs, cookbook authors, foodies, gourmets, and just plain people who love to eat. And along with laughter, chat, recipes, and stories about food, you'll sometimes also hear words of inspiration, love, and hope. As Margaret always says, kitchen chat is food for the senses and food for the soul. So grab a cup of coffee, put your feet up on a comfy chair, and get ready to spend a little time with Margaret and her friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kitchen Chat. This is your host, Margaret McSweeney, and I am just delighted that you are joining me in my kitchen today. We are going to take a virtual trip together to the vineyards in California with our wonderful, wonderful guest, Marimar Torres, who is the proprietor and wine expert, and and also she speaks six languages and has uh, two cookbooks out there. So Marimar, welcome to Kitchen Chat. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, this is great. So six languages. I have to first of all ask, which languages? <laughs> Everybody asks that. I know it's a, it's a point of interest. So, well, there's uh, French and Italian and German and uh, and Castilian Spanish and Catalan Spanish. See, Spain has four languages, so Catalan is a very distinct, different language from what we call Castilian, which is really the official Spanish language. Okay, that's more than you want to know. <laughs> oh, no, that's so interesting. And it, it's a great segue into um, your cookbooks. Listeners, she has two cookbooks published. And, and before we, we talk about her wonderful wine, and, and I'm just so eager to learn about wine, and, and Mari Mar is doing some fascinating things in her vineyard. But let's just quickly um, chat about paella. I don't know uh-huh. Saying that right, paella? How do you say that correctly? Paella, paella. Yes, and I was so delighted to see, um, Marimar, that Prince Felipe visited your vineyard and visited your kitchen and totally enjoyed your paella. Absolutely. It actually, it's it's really an easy dish to make. It's time-consuming, but you can do a lot of prepping ahead of time. And, of course, in my first book, I think I have five or six recipes, and in the second one, I have eight or ten. So it really is a dish, you know, easy to 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 play with and use whatever you have. And and what exactly is paella? Well, it's it's a rice dish, but unlike risotto, you don't uh, stir it; you let it sit. So you essentially the key thing is to is to pre-cook um, everything so that uh, or not so that you don't either undercook or overcook the ingredients additional to the rice. Okay, and and yeah. I would love to post one of your paella recipes on yeah. kitchenchat.info website, so we'll make sure, listeners, we give a link to that. And meanwhile, if you just can't wait to get her recipes, uh, the cookbook is The Spanish Table, The Cuisines and Wines of Spain, along with The Catalan Kitchen. And just a quick question, because you had mentioned, you know, Catalan and Castilian, um, so thank you. What... What differentiates, what is different about the Catalan kitchen? Than well, because other? Spain, even though it's a country the uh, size of Texas, um, is very varied, and you have probably as many cultures, if not more, than you have in the entire United States. Hmm. So, uh, you know, those countries were, I mean, those, those uh, regions were countries in themselves until not that many, you know, hundreds of years ago. 
So they had their own culture. You know, Galicia and the Basque country, as everybody knows, and Catalonia and central Spain. And so are there certain foods that Catalan is known yeah. for? Oh, Absolutely. and what, and is it paella or what are some highlights paella of that? Is, yes, yes, paella is originally in Valencia, which is part of what we call the Catalan countries, mm-hmm. Catalan-speaking countries. And uh, um, yeah, paella is, of course, the most well-known um, dish of Spain today, I think. <clears throat> but, um, you know, there's many classic dishes in, in Catalan cuisine. Um, and, you know, that's what my book is about, explaining yeah. what different, I mean, I think that, you know, it's, Catalan cuisine has ingredients that we all know and love, but put together in a different way. And I would say that the, um, you know, ingredients you could say that are classic are the onions, tomatoes, peppers, um, uh, herbs like uh, rosemary and thyme and bay leaf, um, and uh, and then uh, you know, spices um, and uh, and uh, and then uh, fruits and nuts. And so many times, you know, dishes like yesterday I had a lunch and I made a classic, which is uh, meat um, marinated in uh, in uh, green peppercorns, and then um, put together in the sauce with. Uh, apricots and figs and uh, prunes dried, and uh, then in a brandy cream sauce. And you can see the the combination of um, sweet and sour is very classic Catalan. And the good thing about that is that it goes beautifully with Pinot Noir. Yes. Point because yes. that's so <laughs> And I can't wait to talk about exactly the perfect pairing. And let's uh-huh. just jump into the wine and uh, into your vineyards. And, and listeners, I'm going to provide a link to her fabulous website, marimarestate.com, where you can see the visuals of the beautiful vineyard and and marimar you're doing something really special through organic farming Mm -hmm. and these words i've never heard of but can't wait to chat with you about biodiversity biodynamics but Uh but yes and and it all plays into the ultimate product of a beautiful flavor and um just the ambience of of the wine itself um could you Talk a little bit about the organic farming that that mm-hmm. you're doing there at Marimar. Absolutely. Well, organics is is um, you have to think of it as um, as um, thinking of a vineyard instead of a bunch of vines. Think of it as a, a self-sustaining organism, where instead of importing things like fertilizers and and fungicides and and, and pesticides, you you establish a uh, harmony and ecological balance within the vineyard. In other words, you produce your own uh, um, uh, fertilizer from uh, the, the composting of, you know, the, 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 uh, what's left from the harvest and the manure from our uh, horses and so on. And then you, do, you, you establish a cover crop, which acts as a natural habitat for insects that are good and that, um, uh, that uh, help establish the balance because they um, they eat the bad guys, right? Yeah. And so instead of using pesticides, you use these good insects 
against the bad insects. Yes, and what was interesting, uh, and you have a, a beautiful link on your website. So, listeners, if if you're really interested too in the organic farming side and this cover crop, there's some beautiful pictures. And and was it uh, was it sweet peas that you had planted yeah. as a cover? Yeah. Yes. Depending on the parcel and the part of the vineyard, we will use different cover crops because some. Um, add more nitrogen, which means more vigor, to the soil. And in other areas where it's less vigorous, or rather more vigorous, you will have a less vigorous crop. So anything from veg, uh, you know, sweet peas, barley, fava beans, it, it depends on what you want to achieve. So it's easy to establish, well, not easy, but it's, it's possible to establish a balance. And in fact, you know, I've been organic since 2003, and uh, I remember my brother in Spain who, you know, runs the family winery named Torres, and, which is a much bigger concern than, than I am. I am here about 10,000 cases, and we there are 5 million. But anyway, wow. he said, well, you know, what is going to happen if you have a pest? And I said, well, I guess I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. And the truth is we've never had, uh, uh, you know, a pest ever since wow. we've been organic. And then we added biodynamics in yes. 2010. And biodynamics, in a way, is when you talk about the biodiversity and the preparations, and really is a step beyond organics. Um, you know, organics and biodynamics are cousins, but when you're biodynamic, you're adding the biodiversity. In other words, it's returning to the old farm and establishing the ecological balance of, you know, animals and plants and, and people within within the frame of the vineyard. Yes, and it all ties in together. And and do you feel that it becomes, in a sense, a terroir? And I'm probably not pronouncing that oh, yeah. very yeah, well. Yeah, it's, it's yes. a lot much better. And some people think that biodynamics is, you know, some a joke or, I mean, I've heard it say, you know, or, or, or magic. or I, This is not true because you have to realize that biodynamics was, uh, was born in the 20s from an Austrian uh, philosopher, um, uh, Rudolf Steiner, and then organics came in the 40s. So organics really came from biodynamics. And what happens is that today, I mean, for instance, the moon, of course we know that the moon influences the water, right? We know that. And the vines are about 80% water. So naturally the moon influences the vines. And, it, and everybody you know, who's been a farmer knows that there's a better time to plant and a better time to, 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 to harvest, right? But today we have the technology that allows us to um, to put other priorities over the, the faces of the moon, right? So, for instance, you know, if today I, I know exactly when I want to pick my grapes, and if the moon is not in the right face, I'm not going to care. Right. But it's right. not. It all makes sense if you stop to think about it. But as I say, organics, um, you know, is is uh, is really the basis of 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 good farming, in my opinion. And the interesting thing, I am in the Russian River Valley. Which is, and actually in the Green Valley region, which is the coolest and foggiest region of the Russian River Valley, which is very close to the ocean. That's why it's so cool, and that's why it's ideal for Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, which are the varieties that I grow here. And um, and because it's so cool, it's not that easy to be organic. But I firmly believe in that, and the the, the proof is that less than three percent of vineyards in the Russian River Valley are certified organic. And that's because, you know, it's more difficult, it's more expensive. But to me, I think of the long-term life of the vineyard and of the quality of the wines and the expression of the terroir, and to me, it's worth it. 
Yes, and and speaking of long term, just to give the listeners some perspective, your family has been in the wine business for how mm-hmm. long? Uh, quite a few generations. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> well, we started really uh, growing grapes and making wine in seventeenth century, the Tolkien wow. family. But um, the company was founded by <clears throat> an ancestor of mine in eighteen seventy. Mm. So it's been uh, passed on from father to son. I'm the fourth generation. But guess what? In California, <laughs> it's going to be the first passing on from mother to daughter. Yes. It was always men in Spain, and it oh. still is. My nephew today is the general manager, and he's doing a great job. But, you know, again, it's father to son. Right. <laughs> because you come to California to make mother to daughter. <laughs> and and I love that. And on the website, listeners, she has pictures with her daughter. And, and it's just so beautiful through the years, you can see. And uh, what a great mother-daughter team. And, and yes. building an excellent business and uh, uh-huh. of wine. And, and it's so interesting, too. Let, let's talk a little bit first about the wine. And then, listeners, I, I want to uh, share with you some exciting offerings that Marimar has with a club, Marimar, that you might uh-huh. be interested in as well. But but first, let's let's talk about wine. And and um, I'm not a real wine connoisseur. I'm I'm new to the journey of of this. But um, but actually, uh, someone wrote in with a question, Marimar. Janet says, I find words to describe wine wonderfully quirky, tobacco, licorice, lavender. I'd love to hear her explanation about how descriptors are used and how oh, you would describe your wine. Yes. Absolutely. See, what happens is that the, the, the aromas uh, of the, and the flavors, of course, <clears throat> the, the tongue really can only recognize four flavors. And everything else that you think is your tongue, it's really your nose. And um, and uh, so so the nose really is a very complex uh, um, uh, sensor, right? And um, and and but these these sensors that what you smell are esters, and the esters that you find in the aromas of the wine are the same that you find in the fruits, which is why we can describe a wine as having scent of strawberries or black cherries, right? It's a really different yeah. aroma, or um, you know tobacco which usually will come from the oak, right? Uh-huh. And uh, spice, which also can come from the oak. And, you know, the truth is that many times, and I see that because I have so much connection with Europe, you know, we will refer to the same wine with different terms. And that's because what you smell and call tobacco, I may call uh, forest floor. We're talking mm-hmm. about the same thing. So my principle is that everything goes. If you smell <laughs> cherries, there are cherries. If I smell uh, wild berries, that's nothing wrong with that. If you smoke tobacco, I can't say you're wrong. You know, <laughs> it's very personal, very subjective. And that's the thing about wine that, you know, you have to realize that the best wine is the one you like. Yes. And, you know, and food pairings, which I'm very keen on, I think it's great fun. But it's, it's fun to try different things. And many times I try one dish with different wines, and I ask people when I have, you know, a crowd, okay, who liked this dish better with the Chardonnay? And who liked it better with the Pinot Noir? And most often, it's going to be half and half. So there's no rules, and that's what is so important. In food pairing, I always have more than one wine when I have more, you know, more than two people. Yes. <laughs> for, exactly. for, for each dish, so that you can compare. And for instance, you know, one thing that I love with, with uh, my Pinot Noir, the Russian River Valley Pinot Noir, because <clears throat> I have another one that's Sonoma Coast. The Sonoma Coast goes really well with many cheeses. The uh, the Russian River Valley Pinot Noir goes really well with dark chocolate. 
And uh, you know, two days ago I had a, uh, a lunch here, and uh, and I serve my uh, dried figs stuffed <gasps> with dark chocolate and pistachio nuts in a brandy dark chocolate sauce. Yum! Wow! It is so good. Is that quinoa? It's it's really and hey, about a ten percent of people will not like it. That's fine. Then yeah. they can have you know whatever. You see what I mean? It's just very subjective. It is, and very individualized, uh, for sure. Yeah. But So how would you personally describe um, your Russian River Valley Pinot Noir? What, is, what would <laughs> well, be the my, descriptor? <laughs> my favorite descriptor is yummy. Yummy. It's, you know, the, the, to me, Pinot Noir is the most sensual variety there can be. It's also the most demanding, the most uh, difficult to really... Uh, make with an expression of the vineyard that it came from. But it also is the most fascinating variety. You really have to, to put love and passion into it. And, uh, and it will show. It's, it rewards you. It's a grape that really asks a lot from you, but then it, it rewards you with some wines that, 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 that have together things that seem opposite, like silky and intense and uh, complex, but soft. And um, you know what I mean? It's, it's really, a, it's a wine with layers. You know, first you smell it, you have a layer of aromas. Then, it, you know, it coats your mouth, and uh, it, uh, it has, you know, many different flavors and in layers. And then it, 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 it ends with that long but really soft aftertaste. See, the tannins, which are, would give the wine the, the, the coarseness, if you like, yes. <clears throat> are, are, are much uh, rougher in other varieties like Zinfandel or Cabernet. But in Pinot Noir, they're soft tannins. They're firm but soft. And uh, so the wine will age for a long, long time. I mean, I've been making Pinot Noir since 1992, and, you know, the 1992s are beautiful still. Wow. Uh, but, but it will be beautiful from day one. It's the most fascinating and 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 exciting variety to me. Yes. As you can see, it's my favorite variety. Yes, right? I can see you have a favorite, and it reminds me so much of that movie that came out years ago. I was ago, just thinking of asking you, have you seen Sideways? Because yes. the description that Miles makes of Pinot Noir is so beautiful. I carry it around in my trips, and I read it to people. And they love it. Yeah. Oh, that is great. So it truly is a child that you coddle and that you cultivate and, you know and that brings Margaret, great rewards. Mm-hmm. I always make that, that uh, a connection, like mm. with wines and a vineyard and organics, like a child, you know. I oh. always say that organics, you have to think of, of the vines as a child. In other words, you want to, 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 to you know, to look at, uh, give, I mean, like you would nurture a child, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's it's really the same thing. <laughs> wow, that's great. And then uh, you also have Chardonnay as yes, an offering. Tell us how the Chardonnay differs from the Pinot Noir. I know the color, of course, but um, how how did, and first of all, I just have a basic question, and please forgive my not understanding a whole lot about wine. Why is one wine red and one wine white? Why are the colors well, different? The, uh, it's the skin, really. It's the color of the skin. I mean, the color comes from the, the pigments, the phenols are called, and uh, they're called anthocyanins, and they're really the coloring pigment. 
Okay. So, um, so again, I mean, the, I don't know when I get too technical, but it's interesting to know that the phenols mostly are tannins, okay. which give you that, um, that uh, uh, I call it coarseness, but there's a better way I can think of, you know, the roughness of, uh, of the, the wine the, um, uh, in your mouth, but that will help the wine age. And the tannins from the skins are different from the tannins that you get from the oak. And the tannins from the skin are um, also very soft, but the color comes from fermenting the wine with the skins. If you ferment a red grape without the skins, you get uh, what the French call a blanc de noir, in other words, white from red. Okay. It can have a slight hue of pink, but it really will not be red if you don't leave the skins there. So okay. it's a way you can think of tannins, which is, you know, what's most present in a red wine. You can think of that as a third dimension. So a white wine, in in a way, is like bidimensional, mm-hmm. and and a red wine is three dimensional. Okay, I hope that makes sense. Yes, it does. And thank you. And and I appreciate your taking my my questions on this because I'm on this uh, culinary journey as well. Um, but another question: How does the farming and, and cultivating differ, or does it, with the varietals? Do you have to, um, well, it seemed like the Pinot Noir needed extra care, but, but is it, each grape has a different level of care required? Yeah, I wouldn't say more or less care. Uh, there's wonderful Pinot Noirs, and there's Pinot Noirs that are not so good, and the same with every variety, with mm. Infandel, with Syrah, with Tempranillo, with... You know, um, Tempranillo is a Spanish grape variety that I've adapted to my vineyard, and I'm growing it here, too, and it's giving us wonderful wines. But anyway, yeah, you just, I think, to me, the important thing is the vineyard. Yeah. You you need to get really high-quality fruit to produce a great wine, which is my product, which is why here I've, from day one, I made wine from only my own vineyards. Now we have two. We have one yeah. here in Russian River and one in Sonoma Coast, in the true Sonoma Coast, very close to the ocean, where we make a fantastic Pinot Noir. Oh, that's so great. So, yeah, it's it's just, you know, it's yeah. just caring for... And, and is there a... If you really are able to pick the grapes at the optimum point of maturity then I believe that 80 or more percent of your job is done. And uh, that's why at my winery, we don't have a winemaker position because I think that who makes the wine? It's the grapes. It's It's our job. I I mean, we produce a wine as an extension of farming the vineyard. And I think of myself of, you know, the leader of the team, which is just three of us. You know, we have a technical director, a cellar master, and myself, but none of us calls him or herself the winemaker. Right. I love that, the team approach. And and I just also have another basic question. What made you decide to produce those two varietals, the Pinot Noir and Chardonnay? Well, I looked for the right property for almost two years here in California. And uh, all the way to Mendocino and down to Monterey. And when I came to this property, it was love at first sight. It is so oh. beautiful. You just have to come and visit. You, you yes, <laughs> yes. It is just it's it's beautiful. And so it's so beautiful that you know I, I 
I like to work hard, and I and I do. I mean, last night I was at the winery until ten o'clock, and I, you know, but I came home. I I live above the vineyard. I'm that lucky, and you know, I come home and I'm tired, but I have a, a sense of having accomplished something. Of you know, I finished what I had to finish, and then I I come to my home and I open the gate and I can see that beautiful view of the vineyard in Santa Rosa behind it and it's just you know you have a sense of fulfillment that yeah. that is very difficult to express oh. but anyway i i found this property was love at first sight and and i was told at that time i really had that was in 1981 i i had no idea about viticulture because that's a man's thing in spain i had never been trained in enology or viticulture enology is the study of wine <clears throat> and i so I had a, a consultant, and he said, well, this is, you know, very fine, but um, this is very cold, so really you will grow very good Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, but nothing else. And I hmm. thought, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. I love Burgundy, so yeah. there you go, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Aww. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and it was just, I was very lucky because I remember again talking to my brother and saying, you know, I saw this property, it's so beautiful. And he said, well, but are there other vineyards around? I mean, how do you know it's a good land for planting grapes? He said, well, there's one vineyard, and, you know, but it's very beautiful. So I just bought it, and I lacked out. Oh, and it, and I I would love to visit one day, Marimar, and I will plan to for sure. But meanwhile, listeners, if you're planning a trip to California, definitely check out the website, the wonderful tours and mm-hmm. activities, I and uh, a great wine club as yeah. well with some great offerings with these great uh, pairings of chocolate, all, all these fun classes. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, indeed, it, uh, uh, to, let's see, the day after tomorrow, Saturday, we have our our Valentine event for the wine club, which is oh. our uh, Pinot Noir blending workshop. We give, and we have about uh, nine or ten events uh, in the year, so just about one every month. And what we do in this Pinot Noir blending workshop, we give every guest, um, which we limit to 40, um, a, a, um, a beaker, and uh, and four glasses of wine and four bottles of different clones because Pinot Noir has many different families and we call those clones and they are different among them. And so you taste them and then you decide which is the blend that you like and so then you give us the percentage and we bottle the wine for you. So you go home with a bottle of wine and it's really fun. It's an event that's sold out, you know, for months. So it's it's great. And uh, I want to say that we are open for visitors every day of the week from 11 to 5. And uh, we are just an hour drive from the Golden Gate Bridge northwest um, of San Francisco. So great. it's really an easy, an easy drive. Oh, so, so, yeah, the wine club is called Club Marimar, of course. Yes. And, um, and it's, it's very easy to join. You have two shipments every year. And, uh, you know, different tiers, you can get six bottles or a case or two cases in every shipment. And we have many perks and invitations to events and and wonderful special wines that we bottle for our wine club members. And and it's really just a, a fun group of, uh, of people that become friends. And, um, you know, everybody has really, really a good time. And, of course, I cook from my cookbooks for each of the events, and I have a ball. So oh. I, I love doing that. 
Oh, that sounds wonderful. And the tapas with the wine as well. I saw that offering. Oh, listeners, I'm definitely going to put a link to this. And also, I cannot end our kitchen chat without mentioning those precious dogs that are at your vineyard and the tale of two dogs. There's a, oh, yeah. a link oh, yeah. to that. The tale just, of vineyard dogs. They have a yeah. blog. And in fact, they're right here with me. Aww. Looking at me like, uh, how come you're not paying attention to us? You've been on the phone too long. <laughs> and what are their names? So Chico is the boy, and Bonita is the girl. How and precious. Chico is uh, is very sweet. He right, Chico, come here. He loves to give you kisses <laughs> and such. And Bonita is the rambunctious one. She loves to play, and she thinks she's six, but she thinks that she's two. Oh, and it's yeah. so cute how they they're darling pictures of the vineyard dogs going into the vineyard yeah, and, and yeah. talking they, they, about they, the process. They really yeah. own the winery. We just work for them. <laughs> they know that. Yeah. And we have these big sculptures um, at the entrance of the winery, yeah. you know, of these two dogs, plus my former dog. So we have three humongous sculptures that are very funny by a local artist mm. who makes them with recycled materials. So, so they're, you know, they're an icon. They're a winery icon. Oh, well, another reason to visit Marimar Estate and have a tour and a sampling of wine and a mm-hmm. taste of tapas or paella and and to see the precious dogs as well, the vineyard Absolutely. dogs, Bonito and Chico. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Marimar, for sharing with the listeners and, and helping me learn to appreciate uh, wine in a different way. Yeah. So thank you so much. And listeners, I'll make sure I have all the links and and you can connect with Marimar as, along with the cookbooks as well and get those special recipes for paella. And please, during your busy day, listeners, always take a moment and savor the day. Thank you for joining us today. If you're interested in Margaret's books, A Mother's Heart Knows, Pearl Girls Encountering Grit, Experiencing Grace, and Go Back and Be Happy, please just click on the covers on the webtalkradio.net page in front of you. Margaret would love to connect with you and hear from you. So join her on Twitter, Facebook, her blog, or click on this website to leave a note and share a recipe. Thank you again, and we'll see you here again for a new show next week.